0: You are listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast, a podcast that encourages leaders pursuing the Great Commission. Thanks for listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast. This is episode five, and I'm your host, Graham Withers. I want to thank you for listening in. If you haven't had a chance to listen to episode four with Todd Thomas, I encourage you to do so. And today we're excited to have Sam Cirincione, who is the lead pastor of the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana, on the podcast today. Thanks, Sam, for coming on. Hey, Graham. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, I'm excited. Sam served on staff at Centerpoint, and we've had a few Centerpoint people on so far. Of course, uh, our lead pastor, Tim Parsons, was on episode two. And as I just mentioned, Todd Thomas was on episode four just before this. But uh, Sam served as a student pastor here and is one of our campus pastors before God called him to uh, Mandeville in the New Orleans area a few years ago. And I'm really excited for Sam to share about all that God has been doing um, in their church. And so Sam, why don't you just get us started by sharing a little bit about how you got to the ministry you're in today.
1: Yeah, well, I uh, started obviously with my conversion salvation in um, college. I didn't grow up in a Christian home uh, that uh, where the gospel was taught and um, and where I heard and and, un- and understood the gospel in a way that uh, brought about true salvation. And so um, through uh, probably 2005, my mom passed away, and I had a friend that went out to college at Eastern Kentucky University, came to know Christ through a campus ministry called Campus Outreach, and he came back from my mom's funeral, actually, back in uh, 2005. He was my best friend. Uh, we were on the wrestling team together, and, um, and we're just buddies, and when he came back from my mom's funeral, he had come to know Christ and was completely different, and so he shared Christ with me. And uh, I didn't understand really initially in his in his um, in his evangelism towards me. I didn't understand the gospel right away, but knew that he I wanted whatever he had. And so I went out to Kentucky as well. And I thought I guess <laughs> the only place you can come to know Christ is in Kentucky. Uh, so I I went to uh, uh, EKU as well, and of course that same campus ministry, campus outreach pursued me with the gospel, helped me understand what it meant for my life and what Jesus uh, did and how. Um, to give my life away to that. And so I surrendered to Christ to saved, And I just really wanted to live for him and be on mission and, and see others come to know Christ the way that I had. So I, um, I thought I was going to go into medicine. Uh, uh, my graduation, uh, my, my uh, undergrad was in pre-medicine biology, but towards the end of my schooling, just really knew that I wanted to help people come to know Christ vocationally. Like that's all I wanted to do with my life and my vocation. And so um, decided to go to seminary instead of medical school and went to Southern uh, seminary in Louisville and uh, commuted back and forth. And during that time of starting, actually probably right before, um, Tim Parsons, the lead pastor at CenterPoint, um, him and I were uh, in a discipleship relationship and he was uh, helping me with my call to ministry along with the campus outreach guys. And uh, he gave me an opportunity to do an internship with CenterPoint uh, to oversee student ministry, started with middle school and then I uh, moved into um, shepherding middle school and high school students. And then in 2013, um, kind of felt as God was calling me out of student ministry, wrestled with going uh, a few different routes uh, in ministry. And ultimately, um, Tim and uh, the elders and the staff presented me with an opportunity to plant Center Point's third campus. And so I did that, uh, planted our west, uh, west campus at, uh, for Centerpoint. And then um, from there, stayed there for a few years. And really just felt God's tug in my heart uh, to to plant um, Chad Wiles who was another guy on staff at Center Point him and I just started discussing then we got our families involved and Tim involved uh, wrestled through uh, what North American mission board send thirty two which were the thirty two cities that if they believe were are reached with the gospel that will change the the nation spiritually they believe the major cities determine the spiritual temperature of the of the nation and so New Orleans just continued to um, you know, be pressed upon our hearts. And we ended up coming this way. We thought we were going to plant in a few different areas of new Orleans and God ended up pushing us towards the North shore across Lake Pontchartrain. And then uh, we ended up here and started the field church in, um, in September of uh, 2016.
0: So, That's awesome. I remember, uh, I remember as you guys were working through that and starting to make those plans really concrete, I was sitting down with, Uh, Chad and Marie at their house one night and they were kind of given the, the vision and the plans that you guys were, you had been praying about and dreaming about for, for quite a while. And uh, they were sharing a little bit, a little bit about Mandeville and what made that area unique. Mm. Could you share a little bit about some of the unique context that you guys are ministering in right now?
1: Sure. Um, There's so many of those uh, unique, uh, you know, attributes about this area that it's hard to even pin down which ones to, to, really, um, you know, show and, and, uh, and explain, but I would say just a few were, uh, were right outside of the city. And so, um, you have a lot of those who were affected by Katrina in 2005, who've come out uh, across the bridge to the Mandeville area. So a lot of transplants from the city itself. Um, then, uh, the, um, it's not, you know, it might seem because it's in the South to be in the Bible belt, you know, what we would call the Bible belt. Um, It's definitely not, and so there's a high population of Catholicism, um, but then it also has swung to the other side of the pendulum in where, um, you know, uh, seeker-sensitive um, Christianity in such a way that maybe diminishes uh, the truth um, is also very attractive uh, out here. So it, it's kind of this, like, swing into um, a type of evangelical Christianity, but that also in a lot of ways requires a low commitment and a really low understanding of the gospel and God's word. And, um, it's kind of, it's kind of, we, we see spirituality in those two, in those two camps really. Um, so what we would say is that there's a really low biblical literacy. And so there's a form of Christianity, but very, very, um, little of it is actually founded on any type of truth. And so it is, uh, it's like, you know, um, you know I, I hate to I don't want to encompass the whole culture. and with just what we've seen with the majority of the of the spiritual reality in this culture is that um, there's the people have made up their own version of Christianity. It's a little bit of just syncretism, kind of what is what would be um, you know, good in in order to have Jesus and what would be good in order to have a moral life and what would be you know a good decision, a decision to follow some of his teachings while at the same time, Uh, that would sync up with me living the life that I want to live. And so even understanding of the gospel, understanding of what our lives are about, what God has called us to be on mission, um, and life being about his glory, and, uh, you know, him inviting us into his story, his grander story, um, and us being part of it, and that mission kind of calling us into that, that salvation beckoning us in, it's really reversed. And uh, so, you know, the culture decides whether or not um uh, we want to let God into our plans so it's just a really low biblical literacy, very um surface level understanding of the gospel and then probably just a lot of false conversion. We just recently studied the parable of the seed and the and uh, the soils and um just those second two soils that uh, really um sur- on the surface look like salvation has been um, brought about but uh, you know the word really had never taken root uh, due to the fact of of really maybe choosing Jesus for the wrong reason. It's more of a, you know, is do I like what he has to offer or not rather than, okay, I have two options here. Either I pay for my sin or he does. And, and uh, I need Christ. I don't have room to be picky and choosy about him. I just, he's got to pay for my sin or else I'm in trouble. Um, there's really no like real awareness of that understanding of the gospel. And so I think just uh, a, a real different version of Christianity. No, You know, I guess that, um, displays itself with, um, in regards of perseverance. I mean, people will follow Jesus for a a short amount of time and then maybe turn away and also lack of fruit. Um, I would also say just to tag on the, the cultural, um, you know, maybe some unique things as cultures at the extremely high rate of suicide. And so our suicide rate here, um, in a pretty wealthy area, is, um, the highest in the state and 7% higher than the national average. Uh, it's very rare that you'll meet anybody here has, that hasn't been affected by suicide. So wow. Just this week, we had a, a uh, state trooper and a police officer both commit suicide the same week. Oh goodness. Um, and it's just been a couple months since the last one. And, uh, and so, um, and then very high, uh, there was actually just, I think a Netflix documentary on it, but just very high opiate, um, uh, consumption. Um, and so, uh, just drugs, alcohol, suicide, uh, is also very, very unique to this area in regards to the, the, like, um, high rate of death. And so,
0: yeah, I remember hearing that stat when I was talking to you guys before you left. And even when I got to go down there, when we sent a team to kind of help you guys get some door hangers out and stuff a few years ago. And, uh, I remember if I'm correct that, um, that, that stat and that kind of just uh, that uh, part of your all's areas is one of the reasons that kind of led you all to come up with a mission statement that you all created. That along with, of course, seeing it prevalent in the scriptures. But maybe unpack that briefly for us and how you all have been able to see that lived out so far.
1: Yeah, I think just, you know, the um, equating salvation, not just to a mental understanding um, or even a, a surface level knowledge of, of Jesus and his accomplishment on the cross, uh, through his, you know, his life and death and resurrection. Um, but a, a true, um, uh, understanding of what he's done in relation to the gravity of our sin and the depth of, of the judgment that we deserve, um, and the wrath of God that we deserve because of our sin. And yet Jesus paying that price, um, is a, uh, is a treasure that we would behold greatly if we understood the depth of what God has done to, done for us through the gospel. Um, also, you know, we've found a, a knowledge and yet Jesus kind of a knowledge of what Jesus does. Maybe it did in a little, uh, a little bit, but also like we kind of keep him in the garage, you know, like, and bring him out when, when we see fit. And so that's not, that doesn't look like a, a true salvation, um, in the sense of someone who is, truly decided to leave everything and follow him and uh, make him superior uh, to all other things because again, of what he's done, but also because of just his great worth. Like if we, you know, what could be more valuable than God? The answer is objectively nothing. And so then what could be greater than, than God giving us of himself? Well, objectively again, nothing. So the greatest thing that God could ever give us is himself. First Peter 318 tells us he does that through the gospel. And so an understanding of the gospel, um, we think would ultimately lead to a, a treasuring of the person of God, especially through what he's done. But then obviously it comes through the parable of Matthew thirteen forty-four, where it describes the kingdom of heaven, which is God's reign and God's rule as, uh, as a treasure. And so this man finds this treasure, which again, is, is Jesus having reign and rule on the earth and in our lives. And after he sees the surpassing worth of this treasure, He goes and sells everything, whether he stumbled upon the treasure or whether he was intentionally looking for it. He went and sold everything, you know, figuratively, literally in order to buy the field and the field was of no value um, in and of itself. And that's what, you know, one of the reasons why we named it the field church. We have no value except for the treasure that we possess. And so this man, you know, sold everything to have the field in order to have this treasure. Um, Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter three. You know, I consider all things lost comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And so uh, the knowledge of him, the knowing of him, the relationship with him, the uniting with him um, through his, you know, his work on the cross. um, Ultimately salvation is more than just pain free skin for all of eternity. It's getting us back to God. Our sins need to be paid for. There's only two options. We either pay for it or he does. And then, um, and so we need Jesus uh, for our salvation that comes through an awareness of sin. But ultimately it's not just to, to make our eternity blissful by ourselves. Um, but it's, um, it's to get us to God for all of eternity, which is eternally more significant. Um, you know, Psalm 73 says, whom have I in heaven, but you, the earth has nothing I desire besides you and my heart and my flesh may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so, um, understanding that salvation is a means to an end and the end is us uniting with God. And we want people to see salvation that way. We want, God to be the focal point of people's salvation so that he calls us into his greater story, into relationship with him, into his mission that has been existing since eternity passed on into eternity future. And we're invited into that um, through the gospel. So that's where that treasuring idea comes in so that it, it kind of um, pushes back the idea um, that um, all of this is about me.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think one of the things I've loved about your all's efforts so much down there is just the intentionality and, uh, the both like strategically, but especially biblically and seeing just how intentional you are from the name of the church, the mission statements to what you all do on a practical level. It's all about seeing how God is going to be at work in the lives of people. And so, um, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love hearing that, Sam. Thanks for sharing that. Um, as we think yeah. about, you know, kind of what we're talking about on this podcast, uh, things we love to to learn about and hear about are just some of the different ways that um, churches and ministries are practically living out the great commission. And so I know that with you guys, you all have a few, I guess what you guys call pillar statements that kind of drive a lot of what you all do. And one of them I love, it's actively reaching people in our worlds and around the world with the gospel. And so I'd love for you to unpack Mm. how you guys kind of practically live that out, how you've seen God um, use that focus in the last few years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Our Pillars come from the, uh, the, you know, the the first greatest commandment, loving God and then the second loving each other. And then the third, which we would deem as, uh, probably, you know, the next most important piece of scripture, I guess, if you can say that, of the great commission. And then lastly, our fourth pillar comes from, you know, the purpose of the church we find in Ephesians chapter four. And so that third pillar of the great commission, obviously the great call of all Christians. And, uh, and you know, you think about that calling upon the disciples um, when Jesus said, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations." The idea of them going out from you know Jerusalem, Judea, you know, and and Samaria, and and then even to the ends of the earth. You know, as they were progressively going um, throughout the earth, they were sharing the gospel with with everyone that they would encounter um, in such a way that <clears throat> uh, that it was you know active. And so to think about um, evangelism not being simply programmatic or even um, creating, it's a very fine line, I think, creating a culture that where evangelism is programatized and it is, um, you know, uh, only in certain categories of life. And um, it just makes it really hard to do that, I think, in the way in which uh, Jesus commanded us. I think there's room for all those spaces, but also I think the greatest effort that we will put forth is as we just simply go about life and actively um, sharing the gospel. So that would mean our neighbors, our coworkers, the people we meet at the coffee shop, uh, the gym, um, you know, all the spaces that we go into, um, you know, this, this morning, I saw Marie Wilde and she's sitting down with uh, five uh, women, you know, we all do CrossFit together and there's these five women and, and she's just, you know, starting to, to move into a space of, of maybe, um, you know, in a a investigative Bible study with these ladies, but, but even more than just a Bible study, just as we're going about our everyday lives, um, we're building long-term relationships. So like, um, we're not maybe vomiting, um, the gospel, maybe the first time that we meet someone, obviously God has done that plenty of times here, but, but we also understand that these are people we really want to um, we want to build long term relationships with and love well and be yeah. and be their friends genuinely be their friends and then as life as time goes on um, whether it be a day a week a month uh, a year um, actively moving into the gospel you know it's as simple as we're Christians they are not or you know they may not be and therefore um, and therefore we have the answer you know Romans ten uh, how are they going to know unless someone tells them. And so it's kind of as simple as that. We're just actively, as we're going through our lives, building long-term relationships, genuinely building friendships with the people in our world and um, and our neighbors, you know, lost people all around us in every context and then um, actively sharing our faith. And And sometimes, you know, you're sharing your faith in one of those spheres and uh, per month, you know, or sometimes there's weeks at a time where all of those are opening up. And I have, guys in every category of my life who I've, I'm sharing the gospel with, you know, throughout that week or something. And so, um, and so you know, actively, we're, we're training people to do that. We're training people to think about their lives in a very organic, holistic, rather than a reductionistic type of way in which they are sharing the gospel on a regular basis throughout their daily lives, co-workers, neighbors, friends, um, every space that they encounter, gas stations, Um, and just building relationships getting a first name the first time they meet them getting a set uh, a name you know maybe a phone number the third time they meet them grabbing coffee maybe the sixth or seventh time they meet them and then um, going over to their house maybe the tenth time and having dinner all together with families and before you know it you know that person's come to know christ and is growing in their faith and is in our church and their family's coming to know christ so that's kind of the progression that we've seen as we build relationships well at the same time we know that the uh, missions isn't um you know compartmentalized to like sometimes we do it here and sometimes we do it overseas but really having a view that the great commission just simply naturally extends to the end of the earth because our goal is to get the gospel to places in which it's not heard so we focus a lot of our efforts on maybe an unreached you know unreached people groups um, even if not technically uh, categorizes that in ways in where access to the gospel is. Is low, so we want that gospel sharing to not just end in people's lives with their neighbors, but also for them to think through how their evangelistic effort would extend to the ends of the earth. So them also being involved in giving and sending and going um, to maybe people with less access in other places around the
0: world as well. Yeah, I love uh, when, I, when I th- especially thinking about how you guys are equipping your people to reach people. I, I think uh, the two words that come to my mind are uh, patience and like a long-term view. Like you're, uh, yeah. you're helping people mm-hmm. see that it's not going to, it doesn't necessarily have to happen the first time uh, you meet them in terms of having a gospel conversation, but you're wanting to people, you're wanting your people to love people genuinely and, and really pursue them. I love that idea. Um, yeah. so kind of on the, on the flip side of that, you think about um, you know, the, the Great Commission kind of being two sides of the same coin in terms of being with uh, evangelism and discipleship. So maybe unpack a little bit of the ways that you guys are discipling and equipping your people to do ministry.
1: Yeah, I think that the, um, you know, the equipping comes um, out of a, a very natural overflow of their, their conversion and, um, and them growing um and then into uh, biblical literacy and understanding just what the scriptures say, who Christ is, what He's done, what God's plan is to reach the world, and then helping people to understand that with, you know, what we, you know, what many would say, biblical theology, and so like understanding the grandiose scope of God from beginning of time to the end, and how each portion of scripture fits ultimately into that, um, rather than isolating specific texts that are just for us in, um, our, our, you know, um, our isolated lives. So I think that's a big part of it is helping people see just the, the, big picture of what God has been doing and is doing for his glory. And I think once people catch that and begin to understand the word, the contents, and, uh, and its meaning, um, they n- will naturally gravitate towards wanting to know more and understand more and wanting to conform Um, to that, um, being built up and uh, become holy and set apart. uh, And um, just like the church is called to be. And then the natural overflow of that is them wanting to um, reach their neighbors and their friends with that same calling. And so really um, there's, there's many ways in which we, um, in which we have, you know, studies that are, you know, really just walking people through books of the Bible. Um, There's, you know, we have ways in which we track, discipleship we have uh trainings and seminars we have uh things that um you know we want everyone who's willing and able to be in some sort of a discipleship relationship and um those vary in where people are i think discipleship also includes you know it's it's everything not isolated to just like a one-on-one meeting discipleship is from sunday morning hearing god's word to its worship to community groups to um to just hanging out with other other believers you know to um you know, across the spectrum, even to uh, uh, some of our, you know, institute classes or or whatever it may be. And so I think um, we want discipleship to be holistic and, and, but more so than anything else, I think it's just using the word of God to help people understand, grow, and then, um, and then uh, become part of God's mission. And so in that, of course, their understanding of the gospel is, is, you know, so important to them being able to share it. Um, um, and rather than maybe only a, a program to be understa- uh, be able to understand how to share it, we really want them to just understand the gospel in light of what the scriptures say in a, in a whole, very holistic way so that they can have actual conversations with people that they love, not just maybe present a program, you know, while at the same time we do have a track that we believe, you know, will help people um, uh, hit the, the major points of the gospel so, so training and equipping and discipleship really falls into just a very holistic category for us in which, um, in which people are conforming to the word of God, understanding it well, seeing God's plan over the course of history, uh, becoming part of it. And then that involves them, um, taking the gospel again to the people around them into the ends of the earth.
0: Yeah, and you guys have been gracious enough to include a lot of those resources, Uh, available on your website and so we can put some of those in the show notes so that people can kind of take a look at those and see uh see how god's using those resources in in your all's context and hopefully be encouraged for that um so kind of shifting gears towards uh thinking about leadership i mean god's just god's Mm -hmm. blessed you personally and many of the people on your all's team with just unbelievable leadership gifts um as well as just passion for the lost and for uh, the word and discipleship and so I'd, i'd love to hear a little bit about um some of your old leadership experience. So what's, uh, what's one of the best leadership lessons you've ever learned?
1: Hmm. That is a, that's a difficult question because I feel like I'm learning a lot. Um, and I feel like I'm behind in, in so many areas. Um, I would say one of the, one of the le- le- lessons I'm learning now is longevity. I think, um, you know, I've, le- I, I don't know if I could put a, you know, um, if I could identify one that's been the most impactful, I think just because right now is what I'm learning and it's the most impactful that sure, right yeah. now what I'm learning is, is longevity, you know, and just not, um, not having to feel, uh, a sense of urgency at all moments, which I, that's my natural disposition. I want you know, everything done yesterday and I want to grow yesterday right. and I want to see this person come to Christ yesterday And I just think moving into a place of of, I want to mature in my thinking and I want to last. I want us to be here for 30 years, you know, 50 years sharing the gospel and watching people come to Christ over the course of time and and having that longevity, um, that health, uh, that, um, you know, that family of God that is being again, um, you know, just built up and, and made holy and set apart from the world and. And um, and is conforming to his image, and and it's healthy, and there's and there's um, stability, and then at the same time beckoning the lost world into it over the course of time. Um, I think for me, there you know the, the Christian culture just to be vulnerable. There's the Christian culture, uh, you know, pushes forth an urgency and a um, you know there's uh, what is deemed as successful or not and. I don't. I just don't want to. I don't want that to even penetrate my mind or my heart. I want to, um, uh, w- however God chooses to use us. Um, I want to be focused on the depth of our ministry and let God decide the, the breadth and and want to you know if we deepen our message, I think you know God will continue to just broaden the ministry. Um, and so, just want to focus on God growing people, caring for our people, loving them well, sharing our faith, uh, discipling, making you know, um, helping people to understand his word and just allowing God to, to take care of the rest, I think, uh, is what, is what I'm learning right now that there's, um, you know, I think about right now we're going through the gospel of Luke and we're in chapter eight, you know, it's taken us, um, you know, eight months to get to this place. But one thing we've seen to just even look so closely at Jesus's ministry is that he just never did anything in such a way to accumulate the masses. The only thing, the thing that he did was call people continually to a greater level of commitment. You know, that um, even even the parables weren't there to um, simplify the calling. They were there to intensify it. You know, that those who would understand it would search for it and follow. And those who were there for a casual glance would, would you know, would that would become known. And so I just think, you know, and even in John 6, I think about Jesus presenting himself as the bread of life. And just so many people who had followed him and praised him and thought he was wonderful. And then he has to go and say something like that. Like I'm the bread of life, eat of my flesh, you know? Right. And it says in John six sixty, I think that at that point, many turned away and stopped following him. But his goal was to reach the, the ends of the earth with committed disciples rather than masses of, of surface of surface level disciples or false converts. And so I think just, you know, be, being okay to call people to a truer, deeper level of commitment, knowing that in the long run, if I have longevity in mind, that's what will be most effective rather than wanting, um, a quick, uh, success, um, instantaneously, um, and knowing that, uh, that Jesus, um, Jesus had that same view, I think. Uh, so that's something I'm just learning right now and just working through. I'm not quite there yet. And, you know, I haven't, uh, understood that to the fullest extent. I'm sure that God wants to teach me, uh, but that's, that's what I'm learning right now. So.
0: Yeah. I love, I love again, that kind of idea of, of, of patience and having that long-term view. And uh, I think that's what helps ministries and really just the great commission in general come to a, a point where it isn't just a flash in the pan, but it's something that really sustains right. and hopefully outlasts us all. Um, you know, I'm sure that yes. part of, part of your heart is that, um, you know, once, God's kind of has a new season of a ministry or life for you then that uh, the field doesn't just fold with you, but it continues to grow and sustain and move past you. And uh, I think that's having mm-hmm. a, a great heart for that.
1: Um, so what's one what yeah. of the
0: best pieces of leadership advice that you've ever been given?
1: Mm, best piece of advice. And I've been given so much great advice from so many great mentors from, you know, campus outreach to center Um, Uh, man, I think, I think some of, you know, or even podcast pastors that I would follow. I think that maybe some of the best advice I've been given is, um, just even recently, like I, like I maybe just mentioned, just the fact that, um, you know, as we teach what God's word says simply, um, you know, trusting that God, um, that God will do the work. You know, I think that that's probably just, I met with a pastor, uh, in the area just recently. And I think that that's, you know, again, that's just fresh in my mind. I'm sure I've been given so much great advice, but if I just try to be honest with you, I think most recently the things are most impactful to me that I'm hearing some growing in them, but like, I just want to be faithful to what God's word says. I want to just present what it says, whether it be through evangelism, discipleship, or whether it be through preaching just present um, what it says and allow allow, and trust God to, to do that work rather than ever trying to be creative or original or trying to be clever in my own mind as to how to draw people in or what, you know, when certain people will come through the doors and how to be seeker sense, you know, in any type of way. Um, I just, I don't want to be clever in my own eyes in any way. I want to always simply just present, uh, do my best to faithfully present what's really in the scriptures, just to ex- simply expose what's there and just let it be seen. And then, um, and then trust that, that God will do his great work, his great work through that. And so again, go as deep as I can into that and allow God to decide the, the fruit that will come from that. So,
0: well, that's a beautiful picture just trusting God to do the work of, uh, of, of bringing the growth that he promises to do, uh, through us as we yeah. just try to be faithful, man. That's awesome. Last question. So what's uh, what's a book or resource or multiple books or resources that have shaped your leadership?
1: Um, I would say, you know, one really recently, again, is a, a book, the biography of George Mueller, I think is, is one that I just read had read recently who, um, just to me is just a, a wonderful picture of what God can do through consistent, um, and persistent prayer. And so just, um, you know, tr- uh, trusting God to to, to provide and um, seeing a great need and going after it um, and relying on um, on on God to do what only He can do. So I, I think the biography again on George Mueller was uh, was really uh, powerful um, for me recently. Um, and then uh, let's see. I think that um, uh, one thing that's been very helpful to me is just. I I think the nine, some of the nine marks books and understanding um, the church, the local church, and it's um, and the way in which, you know, it functions in a healthy way. Obviously the books like, you know, um, some time back radical was very influential in my life and just surrendering my life um, to God's mission. Um, You know, but I I think right now what's been, what's been circulating in my mind has been uh, George Mueller's book, uh, George Mueller's biography.
0: I believe that's. Uh, I believe I read that in one of my classes in seminary, and remember being very impacted by that as well. Just to see the faith and the persistence in prayer, and how God uses somebody like that to just do unbelievable things. And uh, man, if 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 most of us had a heart to see God do even a fraction of what He did through Georgia Mueller, we would have a an amazing and lasting legacy. And so that's that's cool. So we'll yeah, put all that in the absolutely. show notes. And, uh, man, Sam, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I'm thankful uh, for your investment in my life and the example that you all set, um, as you faithfully pursue, uh, the gospel advancement down in, in Mandeville and, uh, man, thankful for you and, uh, thanks again for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, Grant. Thanks for listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe, share, and rate so that others can be impacted as well. You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at GCLPod. And join us again next week for another episode of the Great Commission Leadership Podcast.